Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, it's our Wednesday show, our middle-of-the-week show, and that means a closer look at the Packers' opponent. We started talking about the Chicago Bears quite a bit on yesterday's show, but let's dive a little deeper because when uh, when I look at this, the first thing that jumps out to me is what I like to call something that falls into the something's got to give category. And what I mean by that is Aaron Rodgers has thrown 368 consecutive pass attempts without without an interception, excuse me. And the Chicago Bears lead the civilized world by a large margin with 25 interceptions on the season, including seven from Kyle Fuller at corner and five from Eddie Jackson at safety. This is going to be really, really interesting here because if Aaron Rodgers can protect the ball, the Packers' chances to win this game go up dramatically. If the Bears start taking it away, their chances rise dramatically. 100%. Uh, and I think it goes back to that old adage, you know, you get two takeaways, a lot of times it's going to translate into a win. And for the Packers, you know, last week it was exactly what they needed. They got their two big takeaways, one late but still help them put away the football game. Yep. Chicago Bears have been doing it all season long, Michael. And, I mean, you could look at their stats right now, uh, where they're at. I mean, they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different guys with an interception. <laughs> uh, Prince of Mukamara, uh, got to give credit to him, too. He's kind of turned back the clock a little bit yeah. this season. Been a really accountable uh, important piece of that defense we learned yesterday. Looks like Bryce Callahan's going to be out here with a foot injury, so that's a that's a ding right there as far as their nickel slot position. But I mean, with what Kyle Fuller's done this season, seven interceptions. Eddie Jackson, I've I remember Eddie Jackson. I talked to him. Was one of the only people at his podium at the NFL Scouting Combine, talking to him and in his path from Alabama, breaking his leg. Uh, probably would have been an early, maybe not a first rounder, but definitely a second day pick. Had he not broken his leg at the end of his his year at Alabama, he goes out for the draft. The Bears take him in the fourth round. Ha ha, Clinton Dix was singing his praises uh, as far as what this kid's potential is, and now here he is uh, with five interceptions this year, two return for a touchdown. Yeah, something has to give. It's going to be the the you know the security that Aaron Rodgers has had with the football this year against one of the league's top ball hawking defenses. Yeah, you mentioned the foot injury to Bryce Callahan at their nickel position. And that's an interesting one here because as we see Sunday's game unfold, does that mean Randall Cobb in the slot becomes a big-time key receiver here because he's going to have maybe the most favorable matchup? Or do the Packers move Devontae Adams into the slot and then see how the Bears react? Are they going to have Kyle Fuller, for example, cover Devontae Adams even when he's in the slot? Are they going to take their chances with a backup nickel defender there? So kind of an interesting uh, piece to this chess match because of this new injury to Callahan. Yeah, and if you do that, how do the Bears want to defend it? Do you want to have one of the safeties dropping down into the box, you know, covering a a receiver out of the slot? All things we're going to have to figure out. Right. Uh, The important thing, I think, for the Packers, as it's related to, to Adams specifically probably over the last six games is, They've moved him around a lot, and he's been effective from a lot of different positions. I don't have all the stats and the splits as far as what his inside-outside ratio has been in terms of catches this year, but I think the one thing he has definitely demonstrated in year five is he can do it all. So I'm sure when you look at Vic Fangio, he's been in this division for several years now. He's watched the maturation and development of Adams, seeing the the cat and mouse game there, how he wants to possibly defend him, and what that means depending on how much attention you give him 
Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't know, honestly, maybe you do. You're more intelligent than I am. Uh, how Kyle Fuller's been exactly deployed this season, if he's played mostly outside, if they've moved him in, t- in man situations, matching situations, all things we're going to have to learn. At least I'm going to have to. Yeah, I can't say I've watched the Bears enough this year and certainly not watching enough of the All-22 type of film where you see exactly yeah. how a guy like Fuller is being deployed. But for everything that the Bears have done in the turnover category on defense this season, the transmission, so to speak, of this Bears defensive engine is that front uh, seven, that front yeah. group. And when you're talking, when you're talking Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, they've combined for 16 sacks, I believe it is, on the season. But it's not just those 16 sacks, Wes. I mean, it's the the constant disruption. I'm not sure how many forced fumbles the two of them have combined for. They they seem to be uh, pretty adept at getting nine. the ball out. Is it nine? Nine. Holy cow. Six by Mac, five or uh, three by Hicks. Yeah, I mean, this uh, th- th- those two guys, and, and at this point we don't know exactly what the health status is, as we mentioned earlier in the week, as far as the Packers' offensive line goes. But uh, but Mac and Hicks, boy, that uh, um, it's it's a tandem unlike any other, unlike any that the the Packers have seen all year since Week One when Mac made his Bears debut. You know, and obviously I'm not privy to the conversations that the Bears have, but I can only imagine at some point Ryan Pace and Vic Fangio and that coaching staff sat down and figured out, okay, what pieces do we need for this defense? Because Mike, if you go from what this unit looked like the day that Vic Fangio was hired onto John Fox's staff <laughs> yeah. to what they look like today, it's pretty incredible i actually got into a major fight with a fan an insider inbox recently you had to edit it uh who was who was complaining to me about the packers draft classes from 2011 to 2015 in addition to that being just a completely wide-ranging uh you know scheme to be trying to figure out you know whether or not drafts were successful or unsuccessful based upon whether those players are still on the roster right i immediately threw that back in their face and I mentioned that, well, if you look at the Bears drafts during that time, Bears have like three guys left from those draft classes on their roster right now. I think the Packers had like eight or seven or something like that. Bears had some lean years where they were not yep. getting productivity. And these last two and a half years for them have been so important. Because, yeah, you found your Kyle Fullers, who had to bounce back from an injury to, to become the player he's become. You drafted Roquan Smith. It looks like he's going to be a player in this league for years to come. No doubt. You had Danny Trevathan sign over from... Denver. Now also you had Jarrell Freeman. That didn't work out, but they sort of did this paint splatter approach where we're just going to throw resources. We have a ton of cap space. We're going to see what sticks, re-sign some of our own guys, maybe trade for Khalil Mack, have the room to be able to absorb that contract. And they're beginning to see the fruits of that labor. I I don't want to disrespect Mitchell Trubisky at all and and what they're doing offensively, but in so many ways, Mike, this really does remind me of that 2001 Bears team where they have a suffocating defense and an offense that's going to get them as far as they need to go. If you go back, Mike, over the last 10, 15 years, that's been the blueprint for the Bears when they've made runs. They've never had this completely unstoppable offense. It's always been based around being able to score more points than the other team, and this year this defense has allowed them to do that. Yeah, and and I don't want to get too far off the track here in the conversation, but I think what we're seeing here as the regular season winds down Two teams in particular in the NFC, the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks. Right. What these two teams are doing defensively. Now, I think Russell Wilson has a little bit more explosiveness in that Seahawks offense than Trubisky does with the Bears, but the Seahawks also are focused on running the football. We're seeing 
what what is essentially developing as the counter to the Rams and the Saints and yeah. these explosive offenses. Absolutely. So whether the Bears the Bears are just one victory or one Minnesota loss away from clinching the NFC North and being a division champ in the playoffs, and the Seahawks Seahawks obviously have like the inside inside track on that first wild card yeah. spot. So we're going to see these matchups in the postseason uh, in in one way or another as far as uh, these defenses and what they've built over the years over over the course of the year versus these explosive offenses. I kind of like that where you had the Seahawks. It's like the Boston Sorry. Mike Spofford yeah. kind of coming out a little bit. I voice like that. Cr- voice crack. No, for no, a no. There. It's <laughs> exciting to talk about. No, but I mean the fact that you and I even discussed. We started this this breakdown of the Bears with the defense. Every yeah. week we always talk about the offense. Yeah. It just tells you what they bring to the table and what they present. And before, I'm sure there's a scattered amount of people out there are still like, well, why didn't the Packers trade for Khalil Mack? I've said this since day one. I give Ryan Pace a lot of credit. He, he put his hat out there. He said, this is going to be the move. This is going to be probably what sinks or swims my time here as the GM. It's worked out great for them. They also had the cap room to be able to make him the highest paid pass rusher in the NFL. you got to tip your cap in some of those instances because I think Vic Fangio's defense was close. I think Mack has put them over the top. And even with that, Mike, you see it make a guy like Akeem Hicks better. Yep. I mean, Hicks's stats aren't going to jump off the page. You. He has 47 tackles and six sacks. But if you watch him operate within that defense yep. and how those two guys play off each other at that front level of the trenches, it, it fits them really well. Yeah, well, I want to get back to what you were just talking about with GM Ryan Pace and the moves yeah. he's made, but I need to take care of a little bit of business here. The powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at Homer here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, returning to the discussion of Ryan Pace, you said how much he kind of stuck his neck out there on the Khalil Mack move. He did the same thing with Mitch Trubisky. Yep. He traded up, just trading up one spot, but it cost him a fair amount of draft capital, trading up from the three spot to the two spot to draft Trubisky. And I was asked in Insider Inbox about, okay, so just how sustainable is this for the Bears? Uh, because they're obviously, they put together a good team. They're going to be in the playoffs this year. What's the uh, what's the longevity of this potential competitive run for them? And I said it comes down to two things. One, Ryan Pace is going to have to start drafting better than a lot of other teams because the Bears don't have a first-round draft pick now until 2021. The next two drafts, no first-round picks because of the MAC trade. But the other thing that really is going to be potentially even the the bigger piece to how long the Bears can sustain this is what is Mitch Trubisky's ceiling, his development. He's only in his second season. He's got a lot of games under his belt for a second-year quarterback. But if his arrow continues to point up and he continues to become the guy that Ryan Pace was so enamored with and so convinced was his guy that he made that trade to get up to number two in the draft in order to take him a couple years ago, then this can be a this can be sustained for the Chicago Bears. But as it is with any team in the NFL West, it hinge it hinges on the quarterback. The Bears right now have one who is not at his ceiling yet. The question is, what is that ceiling? Yeah, it's a great question. It's the thing, if you have a quarterback under three, four years in a league, you're still trying to figure out. I Honestly, I think there's some teams, you look at Miami, 
it's been six years now. They're still trying to see what they have in Ryan Tannehill. Right. Yep. Uh, that's just the game you play if you don't have Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and these guys that are just the on Hall their of Famers. way to the Hall of Fame. Yep. Trubisky, to me, I, I, you know, if you go back to week one, Mike, and we did our, our preview, it ended up being the, the regular season premiere. Uh, I was really hesitant about him. To some regard, I still am somewhat hesitant about him. But the one thing I'll give him credit for, and I will also give Matt Nagy credit for, is he's playing a lot more free this season. Um, now that also goes with the, you know, there's more interceptions this year. There's been some turnovers. I think he's tied for third right now in the NFL, tied for fourth uh, with uh, 12 picks, yeah. uh, the most. Uh, Three in of the them last week, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that was a rough showing, but yet they still did enough to, to win that game 15 to 6. Trubisky. I think the best thing that they did, and I can't get into all the what played into it, but the fact that Jordan Howard finally had a 100-yard game last week, his first performance of that nature this season, Tara Cohen has been his number one target out of the backfield. Yeah. You could sign Allen Robinson, you can sign Taylor Gabriel, you can do all these different things as far as the perimeter weapons, but I think it's pretty obvious that his best friends right now are the, is his backfield. Mm-hmm. When they get Howard going, when they get Cohen involved, good things happen for the Bears. That's where the big emphasis, I think, for Mike Pettin in this defense has to be. Being able to shore up, not allow, you know, Howard to be able to gush you, you know, kind of bleed you for yards and keep Derek Cohen away from those big play opportunities. Because as much as we've talked about all those perimeter weapons and everything they added, Anthony Miller through the draft, it's still about the tight end, Trey Burton, and those two running backs. And you gotta start there if you're gonna stop Trubisky. Yeah, and you mentioned Cohen is is the Bears leading receiver this year in terms of yardage but I would say the other thing that does make this Bears offense a a little bit difficult not only some of the creative motioning and this and that and and a handful of trick plays that Matt Nagy has has uh, run throughout the course of the season but it's kind of an equal opportunity passing game when you just look at the numbers I believe it's five different guys with at least 30 receptions yep. and 400 yards, essentially, um, those uh, five different guys with with those kind of numbers, and and you said it, you know, there's Cohen, there's the tight end Burton, you have uh, Gabriel Robinson and Anthony Miller, the rookie wide receiver. We had talked last year the Bears had to do something at wide receiver because as a rookie, Trubisky really didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. Right. They did that. They completely revamped their receiving core. And as these guys have continued to to work in this offense and, and understand what Nagy wants them to do and, and Trubisky understanding what his role is, it's it's not an explosive offense, but it's not exactly easy to defend either because no. the ball can go to so many different guys. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not to keep throwing comparables back to 2001 with Jim Miller and what the Bears did that season with Anthony Thomas. But there are, I think, some of those those direct mm-hmm. correlations because it's not like they have a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type difference maker in this offense, but they get it done, and they can win close games. And if you're going to win and make a playoff run, that's what you have to do. And to be quite honest with you, with Trubisky only being in his second year at 24 years old, this is the trajectory you expected. You expected yeah. them to take a step, but probably still not to be on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. Uh, so they're doing it the right way in that regard. I think Anthony Miller in years to come is going to be a real problem for the NFC North. Um, you know, Allen Robinson has been okay for the majority of this season. Taylor Gabriel's been a safety valve of sorts for him coming out of the slot. But, but getting back to what I said originally, I, I just think that 
Howard and Cohen, the one thing that they were able to do last year when they didn't have those perimeter weapons is they were really able to establish them as their one-two punch. That's your threat. That's where Trubisky's going to be his most comfortable. The fact that he's been using Cohen, and it's not like he's just getting six-yard completions here either. 63 uh, catches, 679 yards, four touchdowns, a long of 70. Uh, he, he can make plays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that it, it isn't exactly, I think, what Atlanta possesses in terms of just the across-the-board explosiveness. Right. But there's enough there that if the Bears are suffocating you defensively, they're going to be able to get enough points to win. Yeah, and the one thing that I would say is the X factor with this Bears offense that you really have to pay attention to because there's certainly plenty of film on it to this point as we get into December and that's the scrambling of Mitch Trubisky. That's right, too. Yes, absolutely. He's got, I believe he's closing in on 400 rushing yards yep. on the season. I think he has three rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. to go with his passing touchdowns. And like I said, I haven't watched a ton of Chicago Bears football this year, but when the Packers were on their bye week, I did sit and watch pretty much start to finish the uh, Bears game against the Patriots. That was at Soldier Field. And Mitch Trubisky just kept tucking the ball and running. And I just kept waiting, like, okay, when is this Bill Belichick defense going to adjust and take away the scrambling Trubisky? Now, the Patriots eventually did win that game. But Trubisky, with his scrambling, was single-handedly keeping the Bears in it and gave them a chance to win that game all the way up until the end. This guy... This guy is dangerous when he runs with the football. He's a good athlete. He's he's savvy and smart with where he runs and when he slides. And I think from the Packers' point of view, defensive game plan-wise, you don't want to rush Mitch Trubisky to sack him. You want to yeah. rush him to make him throw the ball. Because if you try to go after the sacks, he will get away, and he will burn you and move the chains with his legs. Yeah, it's incredible, and I'm glad you point that out, because I was try- I was meaning to about 10 minutes ago, and I forgot to, to bring this aspect up of his game, because I think that's when you look at the two running backs and what they do there, he's the counter to that. Yep. He can check it down to Cohen. He can tuck it and scramble it. He can find a guy on the perimeter. There's all those different assets that he has available at his fingertips. And a credit to Trubisky, he seems to do a pretty good job of not panicking and being like, okay, i got to abort the play and scramble. Right. He looks at it much like Aaron Rodgers looks like at it, is that if your guy's covered, you're the, you're the hat, you're the unclaimed guy, you know, go and get your yards. And, and he's been able to do that. The, the Bears like that about him. When they drafted him out of North Carolina, they saw that playmaking ability with him. And it's a thing that can really give you headaches for a defense as the game goes on. So how the Packers plan to attack that? Do you have someone spying him? Uh, what kind of concepts are you looking at? All things that Mike Pettin's going to have on the table. But to your original point, rushing to contain him and keeping him in the pocket is going to be one of the big keys, I think, for the Packers to pull out a victory here. Yeah, I think if the Packers can contain that running game, as you mentioned before, not let Jordan Howard really kind of get rolling downhill, so to speak, you limit the explosive plays of Cohen, whether that's in the running game or the passing game, and you make Mitch Trubisky throw the ball. And if in December weather in Chicago, now I understand it's not going to be too awfully cold for the middle of December down there on Sunday – but if Mitch Trubisky is going to beat you with his arm, then you tip your cap to him. Yeah. But you don't let him don't don't let him just bail himself out by running for first downs. The Packers have to be smart with uh, with how they rush him and how they get pressure on him. And I think the big thing too is is the pressure, Mike. I mean, you look at some of these matchups. I'm going to take for example that Detroit game from a little over a month ago now. He threw for 355 yards and three touchdowns, and the Lions were only able to get to him once in that game. Uh, the the Bears are banged up on their offensive line. They lost Kyle Long for the year. They're, they've had to weather. I think Eric Cush is out too. So I mean, being able to generate some pressure against that front and make things uncomfortable for Trubisky, 
this is a big challenge for Mike Pettin. As much as we're going to talk about Joe Philbin and Aaron Rodgers needing to find ways to get to Vic Fangio's defense, yeah. defensively the Packers doing the same thing to Trubisky and company is going to be really important. Yeah, well, it's, I, I think it's going to be a whale of a football game, Packers-Bears in December with as much on the line as there is. Yeah. It, it should be a fun one. But uh, for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.